Good afternoon. Bwana asifiwe. I'm very delighted to be able to come and join you in this worship and to share God's word. It's really a privilege to be asked to come and share with you this afternoon and on the topic leadership and governance. Now the context of this topic is the elections that are coming and the transitions that we anticipate to come that are massive. Elections when you change a president who has finished his constitutional term are not like the midterm elections when he is seeking a re-election uh, because there will be many, many people wanting to do that job a little better. But also down uh, where some governors are not allowed to be re-elected because they have finished their term. This is a momentous uh, election uh, and we talk about leadership and governance in this context. Usually when the church talks about leadership and governance, we are, we are very biblical and preachy. Apparently, even though we claim to know what the Bible says, most churches and Christian institutions are not ran as soundly in leadership and governance as you'd want. But generally, around elections as we are having now, you think about leadership a little more generally, and broadly. And some of the people who inform us about what leadership is, uh, is one Lord Mont Montgomery who defines it thus, leadership is the capacity and will to rally men and women to a common purpose and the character which inspires confidence. In leadership there is a direction and a purpose that you imagine the leader has and understands clearly and is articulate about. And as he articulates the direction, uh, the people can have confidence. Uh, looking at his character and his style and his way of life and what they know and say, we want to follow. Another character who has something to say about leadership is called Don, John Mott. And he says that a leader is a man who knows the road, who can keep ahead, and who can pull others after him. A leader should not be bewildered about where they are going. It's assumed that he knows. And he's, he knows the way. And he is going that way. And he can carry others along. One of the tragedies of leadership is leaders who don't know where they are going. And they can't take someone there. I was telling the people in the other service that one of the memorable things I never forget is a set book we did at A level many, many years before many of you were born. And one of the characters in that book was a backslidden Christian. And the guy who wrote the book seems to know how backslidden Christians generally behave. So this character was actually drinking. He'd go to a bar and drink. And in one of those moments of uh, being tipsy, uh, he got an inspiration and he addressed a fellow patrons. And he said, I feel like leading the people. And one of the patrons asked him, to where? And he wasn't quite sure where. He said, well, round and round in circles. 
and you can actually have a leader who is purporting to lead people and they are following but when you ask them to where it is round and round in circles sometimes wives feel like they are being led by their husbands round and round in circles sometimes children feel like they are being led by parents round and round in circles the Mamlaka group of churches is not like that, but I do know churches because you know I've been at the center of church life for many years. There are churches where they feel that their archbishops and bishops are leading them round and round in circles. And people get very frustrated. People who are being led like to think that the leader is very clear about where he is taking them. And he knows the place and he is finding it. And they can come along. And if you are a leader, <clears throat> if only just at home, please know where you are taking your family. And it's okay not to know. Because some people are not as gifted in clarifying things. Seek help so that you know where you should be going. Very often, the wives know where you should be going. So if you ask her more honestly and frequently, you will know the way where to go. This is quite serious, by the way, because you think we are joking, some of you. In the earlier years, when I was trying to understand my wife, and you never quite fully understand them until you die, but you can make progress. Once a year, I used to call her out on the children and ask them, and we used to take notes, how do we feel about how that year ended and where we were headed? Because I've been busy for a long time, I would ask, how do you think I have played my role as the husband and father? Are there areas you think I should improve? And I was told, sensible things which I tried to do. And so my wife can tell you, I have a, I'm a husband who has kept trying. <laughs> and now in retirement, we find those things that we agonized over, a lot of them have come to be very helpful to us. Because direction is critical. And many families can go much further in more ways than you think. If there was a genuine effort to know where they are going. And it is terrible to take a family round and round. It is even worse to take a country and a society round and round in circles. And there are some nations which that's where they are going. Pre uh, president Truman, former American of American president, says a leader is a person who has the ability to get others to do what they don't want to do and like it. I find that very interesting because leaders actually do usually find themselves facing a lot of resistance from the people that they lead who don't want to go where they are leading them. And it is a mark of competence in leadership to be able to gather people who don't want to go in a direction and for you to carry them along and for them to like it. So that later they are saying, ah, even though we were resisting, 
The guy knew where he was going. And now that we have come this far, we are delighted and happy that we have come here. At all the political levels, we shall be seeking through leaders of people who can take the slots that are available. They must be able to offer leadership to the 50 million Kenyans at the national and the county levels. Now, we don't think it's a big thing, but we shall give them a mandate for five, five years. And any attempt to get them out of those slots in the five years proves very difficult. Up to now, we have only removed not many governors who we were not happy about their performance. And it is suspected that they may have... Re the removers of governors who succeeded may have had help <laughs> from some sources. Because we've also seen governors that are pretty crooked actually being given a vote of no confidence and being bewitched, uh, uh, impeached. <laughs> impeached by their county assemblies and it goes to the Senate and ends there. Because they have people protecting them who have influence. So these are fellows, pastor, that you give a job and you can't fire them. I mean, the process of firing them is harder than waiting for the five years to pass so that when they are passed, you can get someone else. Good governance, on the other hand, is really about the way things are managed. Wikipedia says it's a process of decision-making and the process by which decisions are implemented. It is not just making decisions, but getting the decisions implemented. And in Kenya, we are known as a nation which has no shortage of good laws. Our blueprints for development have been borrowed by other nations which have become first world. So even in our conceptualizing where we should go, we have no difficulty. I think we have some of the best brains that you can find anywhere in the world. But a lot of the things we say we will do, we don't do. A lot of the laws that we pass intending for them to harness our society are not followed. And so the guys that we choose are supposed to oversee governance so that our country keeps moving in the right direction by deciding and implementing those decisions. It is a process governance of measuring how public institutions are led and run, how public affairs are conducted, how public resources are utilized and applied. And in that endeavor that human rights are respected and honored, and we grow the country without abuse of processes and corruption and following the law. Kenya is the only country where confirmed criminals can run for office. Because confirmed criminals are criminals because a court of law passed a judgment and said the accusations leveled against them are true and they are guilty as charged even if the guilt is moderated, the court has found some. 
Kenya is the country where, even though we have a chapter 6 of the Constitution, people who have grievous court cases in progress can run for office, and we allow it, and say, because they have not been convicted, we shall give them a benefit of doubt. I've been out of the market a long time. You can see I was removed very long ago. Kevadu was there when I was there. Now, when you're looking for a girl to marry, if the allegations about her that are substantial but unproven, <laughs> how are you likely to sign up and say you want to give her benefit of the doubt? Because the allegations are grievous, but they are not proven. Now, after the elections, which are 500 people chosen to lead us at the top, the Senate and the National Assembly, about that, and we shall have 1,500 MCAs chosen to oversight the county governments in the 47 counties that we have, that will be the outcome of the election. But the bigger outcome of the election is not the guys we choose. It's the several hundred thousands of civil servants, both at the national and at the county levels, who will be chosen by the people we lead, uh, the people we choose. So the president is chosen and he chooses a cabinet. He chooses permanent secretaries. He chooses directors of corporations, government parastatos, that are supposed to give us services. He chooses service commanders in the defense forces. He has constitutional discretion of a huge magnitude, and we are stuck with the people they choose to run government affairs and execute the governance of our public affairs as required and county government governors will choose their county executive committee members who should help them deliver to the people the services for which they were elected. And so the ramifications of the outcomes of elections are huge and last five years minimum. But in most cases, they set communities, nations, and county counties on a trajectory that continues after they have left. Now you may not think this is true, but every government that is chosen retires with huge pending bills which have no money to pay from the term that they served, virtually incurring debts to be paid for by the taxes you'll pay in future when a new government has come in place virtually siphoning their money. And when elections are around the corner like now, government officials spend money with such commitment and seriousness so that no money is left. And a lot of it gets eaten. It's in the public domain in Kenya that two billion shillings are stolen every day. That came from no other than the president. 
by the people who are appointed by the people we choose. Because they can fire them. In fact, people have been asking in Kenya, since the president complains a lot about fellows who still everywhere, including state house, why doesn't he fire them? Why, why do you as a governor keep complaining that your officials are corrupt? Fire them. The president may be protected a bit, but it is suspected in the counties they still with the governors. And so you might decide that it's a child play, but it's a very serious thing. It's a very serious thing. Now, when you participate in elections, by either not voting or voting, you virtually take your constitutional power and authority provided by the Constitution to delegate that power to the person you choose. And I know, Pastor, there are many here who go to the election and they choose, and they are not even remembering the name of the MCA they chose. You have delegated your power to the MCA. He'll be telling people, I'm an elected leader. Whose name? You don't know. You choose an MP, you are delegating your power to him. Most of all, when you choose a president, you are delegating your rights and your privileges and your powers as a citizen to the person that you choose, saying he will make decisions on your behalf. In normal life, we don't handle this recklessly. I was telling the other service that when people go for Udoni to pay dowry so that girls can be married who are beautiful and fearfully made, <laughs> the guys marrying usually don't have a lot of money unless they are remarrying as widows or people who have had accidents in marriage, they are very careful about the person who chooses to be the spokesman of the clan that is trying to get a wife. Because you can actually choose a spokesman who burns up your opportunity. <laughs> because you are not allowed to speak at that time. And the families discuss in advance to taeda kwa hiyo mazugumzo lakini katika upande wetu tutaakilishwa kwa mazugumzo na fulani na anakalishwa chini naambiwa tukienda huko ujue pesa sio nyingi <laughs> utaenda kunegotiate for credit terms kila kitu tutaambiwa tutakubali lakini tuseme tupewe muda itafutwe tutakuja kulipa na anasikia anasema hiki jana yangu ni mzuri sana Naguka yake alikuwa mzuri wanatimiza ahadi zote wanapeana apewe atakuja baadaye <laughs> kutekeleza yale ataambiwa Pastor you think anybody can allow a spokesman that they don't know to go and speak for them atutajulia mbele Ninasikia yeye ni mzuri So don't do with your vote at a national level with tremendous impact what you cannot do in your social life where the impact of your decision may not be so big because even if he bangles up the discussions there are still girls in the market that you can get <laughs> and some of them actually think you are making a mistake so if the bangling fellow creates a problem it's an opportunity for them to find, but you choose a president that you can't change him. There is no other one to come for five years when you have chosen. 
So if these are the issues we ask, how should a Christian approach them? If you love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have signed up to fulfill God's purposes, so that through you, you may contribute to cause God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> then what should be your thoughts as you determine how to exercise your democratic rights as a Christian in this country of ours that we love called Kenya. I'll try to outline a few principles that you can consider as you make those decisions. First, God is interested and involved and sovereign in these matters. God is interested, he's involved, and he is sovereign in these matters. And one of the qualifications of a properly saved person is to stop to have an agenda of yours and have only the agenda of God. But Paul says it, doesn't he? We do not want to know anything else except Jesus crucified. So you ask, in the mandate I have to cause God's purposes to be fulfilled, how does he want me to use my opportunity? Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 says, about, about God, he changes times and seasons, he removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He's not a bystander, he's in the business. He raises kings. <laughs> he removes others. Pastor, you remember there's a king in the Bible who was made to eat grass for seven years because he tried to pretend that he was greater than the Almighty God. God is in it. So if you are his servant and his child and his agent, then your task is to ask, in Kenya, what is God trying to do? In exercising his sovereign will and power, how do you help? The other reason why we should have a very keen interest in the democratic outcomes is the sheer magnitude and impact of human, on human life for not just the five years, but as I've said, for a trajectory of many years to come. One of the things that distinguishes Kenyans compared with many other African nationalities, we are experts at mourning. And we mourn about government and what it does. And we mourn about elected leaders who we have chosen. If you find ten men seated somewhere and they have an hour or two even to eat the processed uh, vegetables, <laughs> you can guarantee that in that meeting, wataulizana sasa munaona tunaenda wapi. Na sasa watu kama fulani walitoka wapi. Yabawa wametutesa na mnahii. Mahali tunaelekea kuna tumaini. <laughs> Now, pastor, all those characters were produced by people who voted for them. And were produced by people who didn't vote. So that the votes counted were the ones cast for them by some foolish people. The Bible says, in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 2, When the righteous drive, the people rejoice. When the righteous drive, the people rejoice. Rejoice. 
Solomon, in all his wisdom, demonstrated that the potential for happiness and joy <laughs> and rejoicing of the people is closely tied to the possibility that the righteous will thrive. So that they gain power, social, political influence, commercial influence, professional influence. That is when the results that come are the results that please the people so that they rejoice. The only way, Pastor, the morning mode of Kenyans will change so that when they gather, they are rejoicing and thanking God and celebrating as if the righteous thrive. But he also says that when the wicked rule, the people groan. So that outcome which you treat casually may easily lead to groaning of your children, groaning of your parents, groaning of your relatives, groaning of your colleagues, groaning of your community, and growing, groaning as a nation. In Mount Kenya in particular now, wanasema mabo ni mabaya sana. Hakuna pesa mfukoni. Lakini pesa imekuliwa na watu muligawia mamulaka yenu mkawapatia. Sababu ni desturi yao kukula ya wenyewe. Ulifikiri utachagua watu kumbafu na mnagani wakuje kuweka pesa kwa mfuko yako na unaweka kwa yao. And you can say so about many other places in Kenya. Now many Christians pretend that there is a neutral space and place in the political conversation in our land. There is no such a neutral place. Actually, if you allow space and take a default position as a Christian, evil rejoices at it because evil is aggressive. Evil is tenacious. Evil is vicious. And it is determined to take over. And evil is systematic. Mabo haitokei tu vile inatokea na itatokea ukikaa kando. Ukikaa kando, evil takes over. Now we have abundant experience in Kenya about groaning. The pain of chauvinistic ethnic bigotry in leadership where opportunities and resources are given to people on account of the tribes they belong to rather than merit or service to the people. But those resources that are so used are the taxes we have paid. So you paid your taxes and allow a character to line it up with his tribesmen <laughs> as though it is his. So we have that experience. We have experience of the burden of corruption that is pervasive in the land. Some of the characters who will be corrupt after the elections will not find themselves there by accident, they already have a design to be corrupt. 
Last week I had a chance to meet a character who is economically influential in a county where they have difficulties getting a character to be on the ballot because of issues. And he told me, you know, I want that character to be elected. You know, if that character is elected, mambo yangu itakuwa mzuri kutoka siku hiyo. Hata ninajua zile vitu za kuibia za umma mahali ziko na siwezi kusema nakojea mtu aingie mzuri atasaidia ndio nimwambie nikimwambia hii iko hapa anachukua hii na mimi ninachukua ile na ananisaidia so evil is actually pouring money into the campaign baskets of money so that evil purposes can be pursued after the elections and for five years. And you know you can be here moralizing and uh, singing hallelujah. Tukimaliza kazi, tutavalishwa taji. Taji iko binguni. Kabla tufike huko, hapa iko maneno ya kusoti. We know many who are buried before their time. Because money was voted to provide medicines in hospitals that was eaten. Government drugs are found in private chemists being sold. Some of the wings of hospitals that were to be constructed have been converted into residential flats owned by the governors who voted for the money being waited for by the county executive for health who was to give most to the governor and take some mungu atajari maslahi ya watu wake ambao walipeana mamlaka yao kwa wale ambao walichaguliwa by default wewe ukienda binguni na hujafika huko bado uko hapa you are burying your relatives because of poor government services because the governance of the land is being handled in a wrong way. There are generations who have lost their opportunities. And to some of that proverb says in 29 verse 4, just down that chapter, by justice a king gives a country stability, but those who are greedy for bribes tear down their countries. The biggest threat to social order and stability is actually corruption and bribery. When people think that they are pushed to the corner and the people entrusted with their welfare are the ones eating them, the temptation to take the law into their own hands increases. And the security and moral and social breakdown can be enhanced a lot by the corruption that we see all over. So this country has lived on the edge of social and political breakdown for a long time because no matter how many times God rescues us from the precipice, we never learn. What then should we do? Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 13, called Baraza and told the people what to do. Remember he had been advised by Jethro, his father-in-law, that he is wearing himself out. He should find people to support him with the governance 
of the affairs of the people. And he says something that is so simple and eternal and cannot change, really. He says, go and choose some wise, understanding and respected men. In our case, you can add women. From each of your tribes and I will set them over you. And in verse 15, it is confirmed that they actually did so. And Moses set over them people who are wise, understanding, and respected. And the criteria for delegating your powers to your elder is still a she-wise. A she-wise. Does she have understanding? Does he have understanding? Are they respected? Because if they are, the matters you entrust into their hands will be handled with the discretion and the wisdom that is needed. It is still so today. That is the best standard of the leaders that we choose. We have less than 40 days in which we must cross the valley of decision and cast our ballots. Pastor, before we get to the ninth, I think you should persuade people one of these days to come with their voters' cards, those two things IBC gives, and at some point you tell them, show us that you have. And they show you their IDs. You bring your IDs and take care of them. Show me you have an ID. Show me you are an eligible voter who can go to a booth and vote for someone. And I want to challenge you that your greatest duty now is both to identify the most suitable leaders at every level and on the 9th of August you actually go to the voting polling center and vote for the person you have chosen. I know a lot of you know whether Ruto is good or bad, Raila is good or bad, Wajakoyo is sensible or not, because the media is helping us every day reproducing the things they say. Some of them quite outrageous, so we are in the know. But the media is not following the candidates for MCA and for MP and for governor as much. What about taking time to go where you will vote? And do a bit of due diligence within these days to determine who deserves your vote. Who can you delegate your mamlaka to to be acting on your behalf in good conscience, saying, given the information that is available, I can commit this one to represent me. Don't be so reckless as to go to cast ballots against names of people you are seeing for the first time there and you have not done even the modest due diligence to determine whether they are worthy to be entrusted with such responsibility. And I want to charge you with the next assignment. Once you know who is a good character, Use your influence to get them votes. It is a secret ballot, but don't be secret about critical biblical things. 
Some of you I know, when you show up in the village, even when you are in a hurry, people tell you, kabla uende haraka hivyo, si utuambie kidogo, huko mnakuwa, mnasikia watu wakisema nini. And share your thoughts. Influence people. A lot of people are bewildered. They don't know what is good and what is wrong. They took you to school. Don't waste that knowledge you gained. <laughs> and the tools that God has given you in this whole journey. Some of you are responsible. You are economists. You are lawyers. You are teachers. You are doctors. You are professionals. You know better than anybody else the impact of having stupid wrong characters in leadership elected by the people. Use this time that is available to champion for integrity and good qualities and character of the people that you choose. Don't worry about your tribe. Choose good people. God can take care of the rest. Your tribe will not be finished. It has not been finished since before independence. It has not been finished after independence. It was not finished in the Kenyatta era senior. It was not finished in the Moi era 24 years. Kebake didn't finish it. Uhuru hasn't. Your tribe will not be finished. Choose sensible people who can deliver services. If good services are being provided nationally, your tribe will be fine. And you will be fine. Your children will be fine. Your spouse will be fine. Your grandchildren far off to come will be better off because in your youth there are decisions you made that nurtured and built our country rather than the recklessness that we see amongst people who are identified with Christ. I dare say here and I said in the last service part of the calling of Christ is not for Mamulaka chapel to have a candidate and stop putting your pastor under pressure to tell you to head the wapi <laughs> Mamlaka is a corporate, it has no vote create a safe environment for people to educate each other and choose the people they like will be safe the land of Judah does not need to be protected because it is in danger lions are protected so that they don't harm the people around not so that they don't get harmed. Even though you'll help God, watch your limits. God is sovereign. If you do your part in clear conscience, God can take care of the rest of it. Not Romans 13, 1 to 7. Um, that's why I want to wrap up. After the elections, this is what kicks in. Paul in Romans tells the people, to honor and submit to the authorities that are in office because God has put them there. After these few days in the Valley of Decision, once the ballot is cast, accept the outcome and submit to the authorities so established because they will have come from God. Even dare to thank God that the candidate you chose failed and did not win the election. And tell God, maybe there is something God knew that you didn't, 
That was the reason for that outcome. And don't feel helpless. Even bad outcomes don't alter the sovereignty of God. He continues to sit on the throne and exercise his jurisdiction on all living and inanimate things in the world. And Kenya can be safe even with bad outcomes which you accept subject to the exhaustion of the legal processes that are required because God is on the throne. The dangers in this country don't come from elections. They come from inability of people to live with the outcomes of the elections when we hold them. They find it very difficult to accept the results and shake hands. You shake your virtual heart with the winners, even if they are not the ones you wanted, and carry on with life. If you do that, you promote order in the country rather than anarchy and chaos. I'm not running for any seat in this election. Sometimes when I go to the village, people tell me, Wakafura, tunaona kama wewe unaweza kuwa kiongozi mzuri. Munaona hiyo na nani? Nasema, Umbua mzee anasemekana does not learn new tricks. After I have grey hair, I am not trying to learn very many novel things that I never doubled with where I came from. For you and I, you want the country to be in order and stable, to get on with your life, isn't it? Help us get on with life. Help us promote the liberties that our people need. Remove room for crime that sets in when there is moral and social breakdown. And create space for God to come and save the country and take it where he wants to take it in spite of the consequences of the choices that we make because we have made the decisions that we, we, we have made. In the uh, other service, I even sang a song for people that I want to ask you to let me sing. Some of my heroes of faith are Akorinos. You know the guys who wear the turbans? Faith is serious for them. They commit totally. And one of them sang a song that I cherish. Goboka nyume de no jikare leraine magega nyame ko de matare meko. You know, when you have done your duty in clear conscience, if you're not happy with outcomes, release it to God. Pa kwa hewa na mukorino. Mukae hapo. Ujione majabu ikitendeka hapa duniani. Kwa sababu Mungu amekalia kiti. But continue to pray for Kenya even after the elections. Standing in the gap and ensuring that you are lifting our leaders and our people to God. But at a personal level, I want to challenge you to ask because there tends to be stability between one election and another. Isn't it? 
When this is over, what is your personal game plan for you and for your family? There will be the stability that is required for you to be able to make plans for yourself and for your family. That can cost you at the end of the term as the Muhajimiwa MCA, as the Muhajimiwa MP, as the Muhajimiwa President review their terms and the outcomes of their work. You can go to your Kamau and Odiaba and Ocheng and Musioka family and ask, in these five years, what did we achieve? Leave Mutahinguji and company analyzing the outcomes and the implications. They earn their money by doing so. You go and do what is good for you that will change the circumstances of your life.